Last week was life goals. This week, relationship goals. Let's do a little uh, recap of last week. So Pastor Jordan took life goals last week. Um, I'm just going to read some of the points that he had. He said, in order for us to change externally, we have to change internally. That happens first. There won't be any change on the outside unless there's change on the inside. And this year is not going to be any different. It won't be any different uh, if it's the same you. If it's the same you, it's the same year. So in order for it to be a different year, you got to do something different. Uh, he, like Madeline said, and you did a good job. Of, man, she took my thunder. But he encouraged us to write down our goals for 2016, and I did it too. Uh, so just a couple goals that I have. I actually, I'm sure there's, as the, the months go on, I'm sure I'll have a few more. But uh, just some ones I have uh, that were kind of like very uh, – prominent in my thinking was I want to grow in my role as a worship leader and just being a leader here in general. Uh, I'd really like to see me in that area grow, and I know it will. Um, so <clears throat> uh, another thing for uh, Jessica and I's business is to grow. Um, she does photography, and I do a little mama bird custom, so we're really wanting that stuff to uh, kind of take off more and uh, double and triple and quadruple if it wants to. Uh, Another thing uh, I want for my love walk to grow, I want to have like uh, more patience and more compassion where I've not always been the greatest with it. Uh, just with everybody, with people I don't know, with you all, no, I'm teasing, but you know, with everybody here and uh, just with people I don't know, with my wife and just uh, people in general. Uh, and then kind of just another one was, uh, I want this year to be talk about the elephant in the room year. Um, there's a lot of things in life. <clears throat> Maybe we have friends who used to be here a whole lot, and they're not here anymore. And we, uh, you know, we, we we can see how vital it is here, and and not just for people like that, but maybe for family members to finally start talking about some stuff that needs to be addressed, and and not and, but really the elephant in the room. I want more boldness, is what I want. I want to uh, not be uh, feel afraid to bring stuff up and talk about the the issues of life that need to be talked about. So. And then lastly, he talked about uh, how fulfilling the plan of God for your life should be the most important goal of your life. It is the most important thing to figure out what God has gifted you to do, what he's called you to do, because everybody in here, every single person has, has a gifting and has a calling. God didn't, he didn't make, <clears throat> when, the, when you were coming off the assembly line in heaven, he didn't say, uh, you're going to be a singer, you didn't get anything, you're going to be a baseball player, uh, we, I skipped you. Everybody's got a gift, everybody's got a calling. So... That should be our goal, not just for 2016, but for every day of our life. So let me get a drink of agua. I feel like there needs to be like a little like stand here because I have to bend all the way down like this to get in. It's kind of annoying. So relationship goals. Uh, <clears throat> so how many of you have seen uh, pictures on social media of relationship goals? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so if you haven't, people will post things or they'll see a picture that somebody shared It'll be like, it'll be like the sweet, lovely picture of this big, muscular guy with his shirt off with a six-pack, and like a girl on his back walking down the beach, and people are like, oh, relationship goals. Or they'll see the guy and the girl in the gym and being like, relationship goals. Basically, what they mean by that is, when, you know, maybe they're single or they're, or they're with somebody, but they wish their relationship was like that. Yeah, okay. Sure, some of those things are, are whatever. They're, they might be kind of nice, but I think what a lot of, a lot of us fail to see is how most of those pictures are based on lust and not love on how they're they're based on 
false reality instead of like actuality. And how most of those pictures just represent a brief emotion of happiness rather than lasting joy. So those are the things that we don't see. We just see really ripped guy, really pretty girl, you know, like I saw one of two people laying in bed with pizzas in the bed, like watching TV, and they're like, oh, relationship goals. It would have been good if there had been some mayonnaise in the picture, because, I mean, I would have tore it up. Pizza and mayonnaise, come on. That's my stuff. So, <laughs> so if you're a person that, you know, when you see these pictures or you hear someone talk about relationship goals, and you, you desire that, maybe not exactly what the picture is portraying, but you just desire to have someone. You desire um, that person that God has set aside for you. Let me, let me show you something. Go to Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. This is a verse that's been a common theme uh, on, on Sundays and Tuesdays with Pastor Jordan and uh, Dr. Jacobs lately. We've been talking about this uh, verse, and I've seen it in a different way, and uh, just how important there's a principle here, and I'm going to get into that, how important this principle is. <clears throat> so it says in Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if you're a person that's seeking a relationship, now if you're young, you can wait and just wait. You'll be okay. But if you're older and you're and you're you know you're you're desiring that person that God has um, set aside for you, then listen to this. There's a, there's a, there's a principle in here. God said, if you seek Him first or desire, seek can be a, a desire as well. If you seek or desire him first, then all these things shall be added unto you. Pastor Jordan preached it the other day. When the scriptures say all these things, because it says, and all these things shall be added to you, because some people are like, well, what are all these things? All these things are whatever you need, really. Whatever the issues of life you're facing or need answered, God's working on them. Even if you've messed up, even if you've done every, you know, all done things you shouldn't have done, God's still working on it. But if you're a person that desires that, it's a principle. If you seek, then there's all things. If you desire, then there's all things. You know, you get that? You know what I'm saying? So there's that part. So when I think of relationship goals, I think they're, I don't know, I think the pictures are pretty silly in my opinion. Uh, kind of cheesy. But uh, relationship goals can mainly be seen as romantic, but I kind of see them in a different light, and I want to talk about that. Whenever I see someone post something about relationship goals uh, on social media, I think different, and uh, I want to talk about relationship goals that we should actually strive for, not the silly stuff of people doing stuff they probably shouldn't be doing. So uh, this is what we are gonna, we should strive for, and I have... I have some people in the Bible that I want to talk about their relationships. This isn't a, isn't a good friend's message. I guess if you're listening to it, it could maybe kind of be taken that way. And if you need to take it, then take it. But this is kind of certain people in the Bible that did some really cool things for each other. And how, in my opinion, that should be a relationship goal of things that I want to pursue and things I want to strive for in my relationships with everyday people. Not just my wife, but with everyday people. So, turn to uh, 1 Samuel 8.15. 1 Samuel 
see if I can find it here. Okay. I'm sorry. 18, 15. Open it up and I'm like, huh. Well, that's not it. I don't even know what that is. So 1 Samuel 18, 15. My bad. In this story, this is the story of David and Jonathan. Uh, so King Saul, he's a king. He's powerful. He's mighty. He rules people, and he rules his territory that he's in. So King Saul has a son named Jonathan. So, so I'm just kind of telling you the story in case you don't, you don't know about uh, King Saul and David and Jonathan. So King Saul liked to keep David uh, close to him. And when Jonathan met David, there was like an instant bond between them. And like a, like a covenant bond, it was something that was kind of peculiar, something that's different than just when you meet people normally. This was a really, like they understood each other. And uh, I mean, I, I might meet people like that. I can meet them and instantly be like, I like this person. I can already just tell. But um, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So Jonathan was so selfless that he saw in David, he saw the gifts and callings that God had placed in him. And he preferred David over himself that one day he walked by uh, David and he's like, here man, here's my robe. So people are thinking like, cool, big deal. (laughs) He gave him a robe. Maybe his clothes were not on fleek or uh, he he needed to change his attire or something. But so he gave him a robe. Okay, cool. What's what's that mean? Was he cold or did he look homeless and need a, a robe? The robe represented much more than just clothing. The robe represented power, represented wealth. And whoever King Saul saw King Saul saw, get it? Okay. Wearing the robe, he automatically recognized them as someone who was in power, someone who was in control, and ultimately someone who was going to take the throne. So Jonathan gave up his right to the throne because he saw gifts in David and because he preferred David. It's like he said, hey man, I'm giving up my throne to you. I'm going to give my rank for you because he was a military leader and had won many battles. And when he gives that robe to David, when he walks around, people say, look at that guy, man. He's won, he's won a lot of battles. Look at, he's like a high, he's like a general. But David really didn't do anything to get those. He was just in the right place at the right time. But, um, you know, it says, I give up my fame for you. I give up my standing. I give up my stature for you. So that would be like if, if Pastor Jordan went to Little Turtle. <laughs> Everybody know Turtle, right? He said, look, Turtle, I mean, look, I'm the pastor here and everything, but <laughs> I recognize some gifts and callings in you. And, hey, I want you to have my, my pulpit. And Turtle's, you know, he's all excited. Uh, who would like to come to a church like that? <laughs> don't answer it. Don't answer it. It's just teasing. Just so that's what the, <laughs> that's what that would be like. Although they're completely different people, um, Jonathan chose, which he was a number one guy, but Jonathan chose to be a number two guy and let David be the number one guy. So who are you willing to put first so they can shine? That's relationship goals. That's how I see it. Not lovey dovey. Not six-pack and whatever. But that's relationship goals. In 1 Kings 19.19, we have another couple, another group of uh, guys. 
We have Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha's out there. I just want to kind of give you some little, little history on how the story goes. So Elijah's out there plowing his field with, the, with, the, with his oxen. I just lift really bad. Uh, with his oxen. And, um, and so Elijah, no, Elijah walked by, and he took his mantle, which was his cloak, and he tossed it around the shoulders of Elisha. And if I were to see somebody do that, I'd be like, kind of like, what are they? I don't, I don't get it. What's the point? But Elisha knew what that meant. Elisha decided to drop everything he was doing because that meant, hey, come follow me. There's some good stuff in store for you. But Elisha dropped everything he was doing. He left his family, left where he lived to go follow Elisha, Elijah and, and serve him and you know, help him with whatever he needed to get a, get a cup of water, find a place to sleep, whatever he needed. So Elisha decided to give up everything just to follow a man that he didn't know. But the cool thing is Elijah also knew that if Elisha followed him and obeyed what he told him, that Elisha would become a prophet as well. So that's two people interested in seeing each other succeed. So my question to you, who are you interested in seeing succeed? That's relationship goals. That's the way I see it. In Job 2, 11 through 13, so some of us know about Job. Poor guy, he'd been through a lot. We weathered some storms, and he didn't exactly praise him in the storm either. <laughs> so Job went through a lot of bad times, a lot of tragedies, uh, some pretty bad things. Um, he lost all ten of his children. Uh, he lost his health. He, he had boils covering from his head to his toe, and they itched so bad he had to scrape them with a piece of pottery. Ouch. Uh, that's kind of gross. Um, he lost all of his wealth. I mean, he had lots of money, lost everything. Uh, he lost everything he owned. So basically, here's a man that you know, seems to be doing good. He has family. He has possessions and uh, down to nothing in a matter of like, like a very small amount of time. And so Job had three friends. And uh, they heard that of all the tragedies that he went through. And Job was really, really messed up at the time, and he was, you know, he was tearing his shirt, he was screaming, you know, I probably would be too if something terrible like that happened to me, but it won't, um, confession, uh, but his friends saw the distress that he was in, so Job goes, and he straight up sits down crying and grieving for seven days and seven nights, just sits there, so these three amigos of his, these three pals, they just, they sat down with him, they didn't say a word. They just sat with him while, while he grieved. And they didn't say, hey, man, because they, they, knew, they knew words at the moment wouldn't help with what he was going through because he was grieving so bad. So that's pretty cool. I mean, they just sat with him for seven days and seven nights. I'm sure they had to go to the bathroom or get something to drink at one point. I'd be eating all the time. But uh, So, you know, we all need relationships in our life where, you know, if you were to go through something, not saying you will, but... We do know that storms of life do come, that it'd be good to have some people who could sit with you for seven days and seven nights. So, I mean, Brucey, how many, how many of you guys actually did that for Charles when his toe turned green? I mean, sir. <laughs> I told you, forgive me in advance. 
Hey, you just sat with him and maybe got him a cold wet, uh, washcloth to put on his toe. I mean, anything. Some toenail clippers or something. But, <laughs> sir, please forgive me. That's relationship goals. Someone, <laughs> it is. Someone who's willing to sit with you and, and just say nothing, just to be there for you so you could feel that you weren't alone. That's relationship goals. So uh, in Acts uh, 9, 26 through 30, um, let's see, you could turn there. Charles, please forgive me, sir. Sir, please. Acts 9, 26 through 30. I'm reading out the NLT, my favorite translation. Okay, in, uh, in Acts 9, 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas, good old Barnabas, brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. I'm going to stop there. So we have Paul in this story. Paul wasn't always known as Paul. He was known as Saul for a while, and Saul wasn't the greatest guy ever. He was a persecutor of Christians, and everybody in his town was probably terrified of him that if they were outspoken about what they believed in, they'd probably get their neck chopped off or their neck kicked off or something, Uh, maybe hit over the head with a tea kettle. It just depends on how he was feeling that day or popped his eyeballs out. I don't know. But so people in the town are thinking this Saul guy's crazy. So long story short, God finds a way to change uh, Saul's heart, and he becomes Paul. God gives him a new name. I think, I think one of the reasons he did that is because people knew him as Saul and knew how bad of a person he was. So God was gracious and hooked him up with the name Paul. And so he goes back to the town where he came from. People recognize him. They're thinking like, oh, oh man, here comes that dude. He's going <laughs> to pop your eyeballs out. He's going to kick your neck off, son. So all these people are, are pr- probably pretty afraid. But Barnabas, uh, he's, like a, he's like a mentor. He's like a, a, a friend to, uh, to Paul. He takes him in, and he starts teaching him. And he's teaching him, and he's grooming him to become an evangelist. And he'd spend so much time with them, and they're so invested in each other as a friend, but also as a mentor, that Paul actually climbs higher in, in his knowledge of the things of God and becomes more knowledgeable of the things of God uh, than Barnabas does. That, um, I mean, if it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, my goodness. I mean, I'm sure if Barnabas wouldn't have taken him, God would have figured something out. But... The fact that he saw somebody who people didn't like, who everybody knew had a terrible past, who had done a, real, a lot of really bad things, Barnabas still said, hey, no, man, you fit in here. You're with me. Let me teach you. Let me groom you. So, you know, that's two people really want to see each other succeed. So, who again, who are you interested in seeing succeed? That's relationship goals. In John 4.10... Uh, you don't have, you can turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. It says, 
In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. You know, God loves us even if we haven't loved him back. I've found that to be true many, many times in my life. Uh, you know, where I've maybe not done things I should have, but yet I still received grace for him. I still felt the loving presence of God. And, uh, you know, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus here to earth and uh, where he would eventually, he, he would die in our place. And Jesus went to the cross for us so that we didn't have to. Um, he went to the cross for us so that we didn't have to endure all the terrible things, all the sickness, disease, and, and, and all the, um, the torture and things that he went through. I mean, that was supposed to be for us, but he came and took our place. Thank God. Because I couldn't do it. Um, so he freely gave up his life in exchange for ours. So I wonder how many of you have given your life for someone else. I mean, I know that's, that's a bold statement because if you did, you probably wouldn't be here. But it's the, it's the principle of it. It's, that's relationship goals. That's what I see. That's what I want to strive for. I would do whatever it takes for any one of my, the people who are close to me to, to make sure they succeed, to, uh, to sit with them if they, needed, if they needed it, you know. And then uh, there's Moses and Aaron in Exodus and her, H-U-R, not H-E-R. It'd be hard, wouldn't it, if your name was her and you're in a group of people, like, hey, get her over here. And they're like, sir, this is, room is full of men, sir. It's like, no, get her over here. You know, you know what I'm saying? That'd be, that'd be tricky. It's H-U-R, which I see that always just crack up. But. So uh, Moses and Aaron in Exodus 17, 8 through 13. I'm going to read this here. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidium, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua. He said, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, H-U-R, uh, climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As, Moses, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. I mean, that would be tired. Remember when we were in boot camp, they used to make us stand there with our rifle like this. And your arms would start to shake, and they'd start to drop, and they'd scream at you to get them up, and you'd be like, Ugh. So I can imagine holding a, the, his staff. I mean, it's probably not small. It's probably substantial. So I can imagine that getting tired. So uh, let me see where I was at here. Um, so it says he, he can no longer hold it up. So Aaron and her, they found a stone for him to sit on. They pushed the stone up behind him. He sat down. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands were held steady until sunset. So as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So by having Aaron and her there, Moses was able to keep his hands raised, which brought the victory. He wouldn't, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to do that. <clears throat> That's a hard thing to do. And it, it, the battle wasn't just like for five minutes. It lasted like all day. At least I think it was all day. Um, so the battle lasted a really long time. And uh, you can't just stand there all day with a, with a staff up in your hands. Your arms will eventually get tired. So he had these guys alongside him. 
Aaron and her to, to hold his arms up. So whose arms are you holding up? You know, who have you been there for when they needed it? Say, hey, man, I'll hold your arms up, whatever you need. That should be something that we're striving for with these relationship goals. Then there's the relationship between you and the Father. Within that relationship, you know, you should be concerned about making it your goal to tell others about Jesus so that they can have a relationship with him as well. You know, who are you telling about Jesus? Who have you told? Who's in your life that, I mean, so look, you got people like me who used to live in darkness. Now they live in light. People like me who had a terrible past, but now it's been forgiven. People like me that maybe, I mean, God thinks we deserve it, but didn't deserve it. But God, you know, he freely gave. So who have you you shared that story with? that would be a relationship goal. Relationship goals should be, it shouldn't be, you know, uh, hey, what could, or excuse me, they should be, what could I do for you, not what can you do for me kind of thing. So let me tell you again, some real, what some real relationship goals should be. You can write these down. This would be number one. Some real relationship goals would be to grow closer to God every day. And I know that's shocking, I'm sure. But to grow closer with God every day. You know, God wants a relationship with us more than we want a relationship with him. I wish I wish I could didn't have to say that, but he really does. I wish that my desire and want to was as much as his is for us, but um, Romans 5:8 said, "But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet still sinners." Number two uh, of what real relationship goals should be. Again, it should be your goal that others know about your relationship with God so that they can have a relationship with him. You know, it's, it's, it's our duty. I mean, it's not that you shouldn't have to feel obligated to do it. You should desire to do that because, like I said, you went from darkness into light. You went from death to life. It should be something that we're not afraid or ashamed to tell people about. It should be something that we're excited to tell to people because, I mean, it's, it's selfish if we don't. It really is. Number three, lastly, um, to know Jesus as your personal Savior. I know a lot of us in here um, have uh, accepted Jesus into our hearts and and uh, have done that before, but um, you know this is the kind of relationship. This is probably the best, uh, the kind of relationship that'll never fail you. It'll never give up on you. It'll always think the best of you. It will always be for you. It will always put you first. And uh, this is the kind of relationship that literally gave its life for you. That's the ultimate relationship goal. Um, so in closing, um, if, uh, if everybody would just uh, bow your head and uh, close your eyes and no looking around or anything. So if you say, hey, uh, what, you've, what you've talked about tonight really, really hits home with me. And it, uh, I feel like I want to make it a goal of mine to know Jesus personally as my Lord and Savior. 
so that he can come in and rule and reign in my heart and that I can one day live eternally with him. It's the single most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. There's not one more, one decision in your life that affects you greater than this one does. So if you're one of those people, you said, hey, I haven't done that yet, and I don't maybe, I don't quite fully understand it yet, but I would like to. With nobody looking around, just raise your hand if, if that might pertain to you.